0: It's me Crystal. Welcome back to the Book of Medora. I've got with me as always Monica. Hello. We got Cameron. Hi. We're here to answer your emails. Cameron, what's our email address?
1: Our email address is Bookofmador Podcast at gmail.com. Once more,
0: Bookofmador Podcast at gmail.com. That's right, it's Bookofmodora Podcast at gmail.com. Send your emails whenever you'd like. We'll get We're to We're really them. ramping up. yes
1: we'll get to them eventually um the the, there's a couple in here uh we haven't done just yet you know uh the oldest ones that we'll be dealing with today are actually from uh september and october of 2021
2: yeah but again we are going to start recording tears of the kingdom episodes so you know send us those questions and they will be addressed in a, a quicker manner i believe
1: Yes, big timely. That's us. We're, we're going to be as timely as we can. Now, I, I think, um, Crystal, I think we agreed earlier that I would be the master of ceremonies for getting through the emails. Mm-hmm. You're the archivist. The archivist. God help us all. Um, so I, I'd like to suggest one slight modification to the format. Um, as of the last time we read emails, which was on the part two of Metroid Dread, we agreed that we would uh, summarize the especially long emails to get down to the core points. Mm-hmm. And this time, I would also like to suggest that the ones that are just sending us uh, nice things to say about the podcast, instead of reading them out, which makes me feel weird, uh, I'm just going to acknowledge that we were sent some very nice emails and thank the person in question. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that reasonable to you too? That sounds sure. good.
2: But thank you all for your lovely messages.
0: Thank you.
1: Okay. So I think that the email that we want to start off with is from, let's see here, Jason. We have a couple of Jasons listening to the podcast, but Jason, if you're listening, this is you. Yes, both of you, whichever one. Um, Jason asks in, firstly, uh, what's up with the ruins on the back of Bob Meadow? They seem different from normal reto construction, so what's up with that? Did Ooh, they, so a timely message. That is a timely message, actually. It wasn't meant to be, I don't think, but let me... Now, Valmetto does have an awful lot of, well, construction on its back. It doesn't look explicitly Zonai or anything like that. Crystal, I'm just going to paste this into the line.
0: Yeah, that sounds to me. I would guess that is like uh, the engineer's house where you live if you do maintenance <laughs> on the meadow. Oh, that's interesting.
1: So these are like uh, walls left over when the rest of the houses fell over.
0: Because if you're working on the ones that are on lands, they can just you know dock in a dock somewhere, and you can leave your house to go work on it. Whereas if it, this is going to be in the sky all the time. The engineers got to live on it. That's true, because when it's at rest, it uh, is also upright, which
1: makes it almost impossible to work on. When it's right. at
2: rest, like when it's perched, are the wings up and out? Okay, yes. they don't fold up. They,
1: they are up and weird. out.
2: <laughs> okay. My thought is sort of similar to yours, Crystal, in that if this is on the sky and Rito can't really ascend very easily, Rivali's is one of the first, or the first according to him, uh, maybe, you know, it was a a hangout spot. And so you have places for people to hang out before they go back down for the day.
0: Yeah, it's like a club.
2: (laughs) It's a a nice, lovely high view. Yeah.
1: So one thing that Jason brings up is that he has doubts about it being for engineers, or at least Reto engineers, because Reto engineers wouldn't need the ability to go back and forth. But I think what Monica said about most Rito not being able to fly, at least in that era,
2: yes. covers that concern. Ascend, yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
2: but also, the, I mean, it's a, it's a Sheikah device, so yeah. the Sheikah definitely can't easily go up and down.
1: That's very true.
2: Unless they could warp. I guess they could.
1: This was during the era when the Sheikah built everything.
2: In terms of a, a gameplay reason... I had the feeling that they wanted the boss battle to spread across the top of Vamedo. But in, real- in reality, we actually just stay in the center.
1: I think that for a lot of players who don't kill the bosses as quickly as expert gamers like the Book of Medora, <laughs> that um, the boss battle probably did range across a significant part of Vamedo's wings. So more people would see the environmental destruction going on.
2: Because there's little, like, updraft areas... Yes. ...throughout.
1: To make it easy to shoot. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Jason's second question here is, uh, what is the Forgotten Temple? Why is it forgotten? And why does it contain easily the biggest, highlyest statue in Breath of the Wild?
2: Shall we answer this with spoilers from Tears of the Kingdom, or shall we divest Tears of the Kingdom?
0: Uh, what would you have said in 2021? Mm, okay.
1: I want to hear your opinion on it, Crystal.
0: Hmm. Well, clearly, if Heli is here and this is an old-ass temple, the Helia religion has been going on for quite some time. Right. And perhaps it was not always as widely accepted as it is now. Oh, okay. This is like a hidden away Roman Christian temple.
1: Okay, so this is a... Hylian worship temple from an era where a worship was marginalized in some way.
0: That's right. This is when the goddesses still reigned. The goddesses, no less. Okay.
2: I had to step away temporarily because one of our two rabbits dragged a box close to the coffee table and was about to jump up.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
2: so it's okay. No, crisis averted. Okay. They are now uh, a bit disappointed, but that's all right. So I caught the gist from Cameron's summary. It's from a marginalized era. I'd like to push back on that a bit because that's a giant statue. That's the biggest Hylia statue.
1: It it looks like the closest to be, as Jason points out, it's colossal. It's the closest to being the statue from Skyloft.
2: I kind of think it could be that same statue.
1: They moved it here.
2: Yeah, it landed. Well, actually, I guess it didn't land here.
1: No, it landed near the Temple of Time in the New Kingdom.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh gosh. Are we... De- <laughs> oh, no.
1: Yep, yep. This was after the Accursed Timeline episode.
2: Oh, no. I suppose, theoretically, it could be moved across kingdoms. I, I that does. See, I don't com- see
1: why not with the power of the Sheikah technology.
2: It is a new location for worship, and a gigantic temple was constructed around it, and... Many adherents gathered there before some uh, devastation or another caused them to forget its location.
1: So, Crystal, going in with your idea, because my reflexive, uh, my my first reflex is to go nah, but but leaning into it, ten thousand years ago, the Hyrulean king of the time did enact an ethnic cleansing against the Shika. Hmm. That's right. Do you think it's possible that a side effect of that ethnic cleansing is that the Sheikah, as the uh, they've inherited worship of Hylia since before time recorded, do you think that that being their virtual religion it could have led to Hylia worship being uh, shunned by the Hyrulean royal
0: family of that era? I think so, or at least their version of it, since they are the, the most devoted Hylia worshipers most of the time. But we also have to consider the geographic position of the statue, because Helia typically is associated with the sky and the heavens. She is a bird. Even the Great Plateau is higher than most Helian populated regions of Hyrule. but this one is very low inside the Big Canyon. Yeah, is, is that canyon connected to the Breach of Demise?
2: No, it is close no. by.
1: Okay. What an interesting name, The Breach of Demise, how it sounds after Tears of the Kingdom. It almost feels like that's where Demise actually came out in the long, long ago. But that's for another episode. Um, Okay, yeah, I I actually like the idea that it was originally a place of central worship in Hyrule, but was removed and hidden away in this forgotten temple, sealed off from the rest of Hyrulean society. Because who's going to go down in this deep-ass canyon to go see it? It's there strictly for the Shika and as the Shika loyal worshippers of Hylia died out, the temple itself was also left to fall to ruin. But Jason does bring up an interesting question. Why is it chock full of guardians that have had their shit ruined?
0: Why is it? Well, that would suggest that it's a Sheikah place. It would. Could it be that those aren't
1: guardians from 100 years ago, but guardians from 10,000 years ago? Maybe this was the first place where the Calamity exerted its power over the Guardians.
0: Hmm, that could be possible.
2: Or perhaps the Calamity attacked the temple and the Guardians in a protective capacity went there.
1: Maybe. The the Calamity's like, I can't let Link 10,000 years from now wear that stupid looking outfit.
2: (laughs) Well, and then everybody fled or was killed there, so nobody returned. Because I don't think this temple was forgotten a hundred years ago. It was forgotten much long, longer ago than that, right?
1: Yes. I, I think that it's forgotten much longer than a hundred years ago. There's lots of ruins in Hyrule that could be referred to as forgotten if it's only been a hundred years. Nobody's been on the Great Plateau in a hundred years, and we don't call the things there forgotten.
2: We can assume that either the Guardians were there in a protective capacity initially. Maybe they were, they were buried there and came out. You know when when Ganon started things back up, or maybe in an attacking capacity. So they they went and attacked what they saw as a major stronghold or place
1: of worship. So what's what's your total take on it, Crystal?
0: Ancient Chica temple from the time where they were ethnic cleansed. What a what a what a dire.
1: Reading, but also perfectly in keeping with the text. It's weird how Breath of the Wild is often seen as like one of the less dark entries, and I know that like that's reflexively silly to us as the Book of Medora podcast, but it is. It's often seen as one of the less dark entries, but there is this really textual background of horrible shit being done in every part of the setting.
0: Yeah, but the the main consequence of that aspect of the story is that they invented Team Rocket. I mean, that's one (laughs) of the consequences of the story. That's really the main consequence of the Yiga clan and their grievance, is that they're Team Rocket. That's
1: true. They're here to
0: steal Pikachu from Link. I would
1: argue that the biggest consequence is the ruins that you see around you. The dead parts of the world abandoned by the faithful Sheikah. I guess so.
2: It's another King Bad call. Add it to the pile.
1: I think that one has to rank really high on the bad king calls. It doesn't quite outrank Rome, but it's awfully close. I don't know, maybe that king of 10,000 years ago also took away his daughter's dog before she went and died in battle against the Calamity. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably what spurred this whole thing, is the princess dying in battle. But who knows? Oh, I can't wait to talk about the battle of 10,000 years ago when we get to the tears of the kingdom episode.
2: We should specify that this episode is spoiler free.
1: Yes, it is t- spoiler free for the tears of the kingdom, right? Is, is that are we agreed on that
0: crystal? Yes, we will not be discussing the tears of the kingdom and we'll try our best
2: to to divorce that in our heads.
0: We will not draw upon <laughs>
2: Excise
1: the, it. We will not draw upon the tears of the kingdom lore until the next episode that we record which will be the beginning of the Tears of the Kingdom episodes.
2: The chronological beginning.
1: Please don't do this right now. We'll do it another time. Okay. Um, we uh, we got a very nice email from Monica's biggest fan, self-described, oh. about uh, how we're very cool and Monica in particular is very cool. A sentiment that I happen to agree with. Thank you, Monica's biggest fan.
0: Thank you, Monica's Thank you. biggest fan. Uh,
1: let see here. We have... An email from 1Jackson. Hi, I have a question about differences between the original Wind Waker and the HD version. So when you free Tingle in the GameCube version, Tingle gives you the Tingle Tuner, whereas in the Wii U version, you get the, frankly, way less cool Tingle bottle. Which of these is canonical?
0: The Tingle-themed Game Boy Advance or the Miiverse crap? Well, I think Nintendo has actually decided this pretty clearly because the Miiverse no longer exists. But you can still hook up a Game Boy Advance to a GameCube. That seems perfectly
1: reasonable. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad, Crystal, when you're able to answer something so definitively so quickly. <laughs> Instead of going like, no, this is the Dragon Break moment of the Wind Waker series, where at the end of Wind Waker, <laughs> it comes back together. But for that moment, we're running through
0: two parallel timelines. This is my materialist Zelda timeline analysis. Yes.
2: What happens now when you use the tingle Bottle and try to throw it into the sea?
0: That's a great question. I assume it just pops up an error message. Yeah. Like you can't connect to the service or whatever. Oh, wow. we, that means that we get an in-universe error message?
2: Hmm. Link throws the bottle and it just hits him back in the face.
1: Oh, Oh, man, I wish that is what happened. <laughs> If if Nintendo was forward-thinking enough to put that in there where it just comes back and smacks him in the head. Oh, that would be so good. Let's see here. We also got a very nice email from one Jerry. Thank you for the email, Jerry. Uh,
2: Thank you, Jerry.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry. And also from Jackson, we have an Ocarina of Time Theory. Hey guys, so I've been re-listening to some of your old episodes, and I came upon the part of your second Ocarina of Time episodes, and you have that whole long conversation about when Twin Rova dies and supposedly goes to heaven. Now, have either of you read the Frieza arc of Dragon Ball? I don't know that I like where this is going, Jackson, but I'm going to continue. <laughs> have either of you read the Frieza arc of Dragon Ball? After Frieza dies, he obviously goes to hell. But since Frieza is evil and hates fun, his version of hell is a pretty little meadow with rabbits and whatnot. Anywho, what if it were the same with Twinrova? Thanks for making such great episodes. Bye. All right. Thank you, Jackson. Um, (laughs) Now, I know that two-thirds of us are familiar with the Frieza arc. I have read the manga. Crystal, have you read that? I have not read the manga, no. And Monica, how how familiar are you with the Frieza arc?
2: I have watched the Frieza arc.
1: Okay, so all three of us know this one.
2: Because Trunks kind of looks like Link.
1: That that's a little bit after the Frieza arc.
2: Oh, is that not the Frieza arc?
1: Well, I mean, you you can argue that it's like the the epilogue to the Frieza arc.
2: Oh, Okay. Yes. But well, then maybe I didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just
2: Look, was Trunks there? No. Was he, he did he have his hot hairstyle?
1: His, the butt cut. The butt cut, the center uh-huh. part. It's funny how often we talk about that fucking center cut on this podcast. <laughs> it's a good haircut. I mean, it's he coming makes back. It work. <laughs> he does make it work, and he does cut Frieza into ten billion pieces. Uh, Crystal, what do you make of Twin Rova's version of hell being actually heaven?
0: So I don't, I don't know that the Twin Rova are evil in the same way that Frieza is.
1: That's very true. Okay, but
0: Frieza is just yeah. It makes sense that Frieza would hate bunnies and flowers, but I don't feel like Twin Rova have those vibes. I feel like they would appreciate bunnies and flowers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, Frieza doesn't get sent to heaven to punish him. He gets sent to hell. He gets sent to hell.
2: And Twin Rova ascended. They go to heaven with
1: halos on their heads. Like they've reached enlightenment and they move on to the good
0: afterlife, I guess. It's kind of like in Fable where you can kill 10 billion people, then you can just pay some money to get your halo. Mm. I'm sorry, can you expand on that a little bit? Well fable has a morality system and a character morphing system where if you have a lot of good points, you will develop a halo. And right. as of many games with morality point systems, the the you get kind of the balance between points is pretty skewed where you get like minus 20 points for killing someone then like plus 50 points for donating money to the church.
1: Mm. Because it's very good to donate money to the church. That's exactly right. It's twice; it's more than twice as good as killing someone is bad. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. So you would suggest that Twinrova has performed acts of charity um, that are more vast than enslaving uh, members of their own people.
0: Right we we see them at their worst, but they've been alive a long time. We haven't seen the whole story. You know, maybe they've also done a lot of good stuff. Maybe
1: they've donated to the church a lot.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite morality quirks in Fable is that you get more evil points for divorcing your wife than for killing your wife. Uh Go on. So the most efficient way to get a divorce is uh, murder.
3: Wait,
2: wait. Why do you get... Moral points or moral de- demerits for divorce?
0: That's a great question, Monica. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? This is such a a, a Christian slash Catholic world.
0: I, it also has a vegetarian agenda.
2: Oh, I mean that one, I can kind of understand.
0: A, yeah, s- somewhat, maybe. But I'm but really, divorce. How
1: how has your fable play through? been treating you crystal fable 2 is a
0: stone cold classic Mm.
2: is it the second zelda killer
0: fable is not a zelda killer it's not really anything like zelda it's more like ultima 4 i see
1: but you you say that 2 is a stone cold classic what about the original and 3
0: uh well i played the fable anniversary version of one which is not a good version Oh. But if I played the original version of Fable The Lost Chapters, I think that's a pretty good game. And okay. Fable 3 sucks. Damn, that bad? Ouch. Yeah, it's a rough rough game. It's, but,
1: it, mm, yeah, fair enough. Hey, um, I wanted to ask about one of the Twitter clips you posted from Fable. Mm-hmm. The big um, strangely fetishy fart attack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask, is that present in all of them? Or is that something that's more like a latter day Fable thing?
0: That type of thing is present in all of them. But Fable 3 definitely has the most lovingly animated expression animations. Oh. There's a big focus on touch for Fable 3. About like syncing animations between your character and NPCs. Such as grabbing their head to hold it into your ass so you can fart in their face.
2: <laughs> and burn, burn their face.
0: <laughs> That's right. While they beg for you to stop. <laughs>
2: can you believe like a voice actor going in to record <laughs> their
1: lines?
0: And it's like,
2: what's the context for this line?
1: They will not tell you.
2: <laughs> Maybe not, but they, they have to read it out, right? Like, ah, my face is burning. Cause you're farting into it. <laughs>
0: This is why the union is important.
2: Uh (laughs) Make sure they're
0: compensated well for such work.
2: For sex work.
0: Yes. God.
1: I want to meet the writer behind that particular sequence. Just so I could be like, why did you so boldly put your own shit in there that hard? Didn't you think anyone would try to stop you? And they would look me cold dead in the eye and say, nobody tried to stop me.
0: (laughs) No, it's classic British humor. It's classic British humor
1: where people just fart really hard on each other's faces
2: going back to <laughs> twin rova and ascending to heaven i think that the universe of hyrule is a lot less christian yeah and most people so long as they're people will be going to heaven an okay place
1: you go to that there's not a separated afterlife you just go to the afterlife
2: Demons might be churned around for a while until they, you know, get the demon part completely.
1: The real reason that Ganon keeps coming back is that he cannot be put back into the cycle of rebirth as he is.
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking of the Skyward Sword elements of the demons under the... Go on. What?
1: Go, go. go please elaborate.
2: In the ancient cistern with the demons under the foot of the Buddha...
1: Yes, that's, yeah, you're right, yes. But
2: demons, some demons might have been humans or, or Hylians, but they are transformed, so they need to get that part excised out. And then I suppose the nice part of them can go to the place where everybody else goes.
1: What do you think of the cosmology of the afterlife in Zelda Crystal since we're now um, ankle deep in this shit?
0: Well, I feel like generally demons are presented as monsters that are summoned and not really independent entities. Okay. Um There's a so handful I'm- of
2: people or, or demons around that were were
0: men. Yes. Like uh Batro who becomes a human. Yes. Or so
1: backs- go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Maybe everyone is like Dark Souls and they begin underground and they have to become people.
1: Huh. That is interesting. So you're you're saying that Twin Rova has simply reached the end of their
0: journey. Yeah. She's been alive a long time. She's seen it all. Who knows what, you know, maybe when she lived, Christianity was still a big part of Hyrule. Oh, no.
1: And she found her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and was absolved for her sins.
0: Just as would there be a resurgence of that in the era of A Link to the Past. (sighs) I hope the mic
1: picked up on that tortured sigh and it wasn't just fucking filtered out by my noise cancellation because jesus christ i don't think jesus christ is in hyrule he is i'm not doing this i'm not doing this again it has been five years since you first did this shit to me
0: (laughs) it is textual that in the first three games Christianity is present in some capacity.
1: It has been six years since you did this shit to me, Crystal. I'm not going through it again. <laughs> Monica, am
2: I wrong? You're not wrong, Crystal. Seven okay. years we've
1: been arguing about this.
2: <laughs> it's just- you I'm are not- absolutely correct. We, if at the most textual, have to read in some some elements of uh, a cross.
1: I'm not... <laughs> the nation of Abraham Is not in
0: Hyrule I'm not sure. But the serious. worship
2: of his god is
0: yeah. Oh my god Oh heaven help me Obviously it would have a very different history
1: I am going to start doing Fucking bubble continuities Like Metroid if you people don't leave me alone On this shit <laughs> We're fine with that Oh no
2: Um Just pausing before we move to the next email there are a couple of emails older than this that were starred, just not uh, marked as unread. Just wanted to make sure that we have gone through them.
1: I thought that we had because we got past them in the mailbag episode. We were up to like um, October, but I can summarize them real quickly. And just to be sure we can uh, re-answer them if it's been answered. It, it's, it's been over a year. We're not going to remember what we said. Yeah. Are you okay with that, Crystal? Yeah.
2: The furthest one that I can find goes back to July 27th, 2021.
1: Okay, that is a bit further back than I thought. Okay, this is coming from Andy. In Majora's Mask, you get the Don Garrow Mask by delivering the rock sirloin to the starving Goron in the mountain village. When he eats it, he says to you, that's it. It's so good that I dream about it. Dodongo Cavern's finest quality rock sirloin. I feel like we've read this. Can the Gorans travel to Hyrule? Is there an intricate network of imports and exports to Hyrule organized by the man from the Curiosity Shop? Is Don Garrow actually Majora? Thanks for the podcast, Andy. All right, thank you, Andy. Um, I hate that you've done this to me, to us, to
0: us, to us. Not just me, us.
2: This one works very easily.
0: Yeah, especially if you accept the Termina's underground. Of course, they have a trade network with Dodongo's Cavern.
1: Right, because this isn't, uh, we have yet to incorporate knowledge from Tears of the Kingdom in this discussion.
2: Uh, Well, Dodongo's Cavern is connected to the The Lost Woods. Yeah, or the Gorons are connected, Goron City, to the Lost Woods. And the Lost Woods connects to Termina.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, even if we're not talking about the strict geographical placement of Termina, there is definitely a trade method for that. So there is very likely an import-export network uh, that the Hyrulean royal family isn't necessarily aware of. Or maybe they are aware of it and Link isn't aware of it because he's just a kid. There we go.
2: We may have left it starred for the joke.
1: That's very possible. Okay, so from Caleb. Give me a moment to read over this so I can summarize. Okay, so basically what Caleb suggests here is a theory by which Daphnis sealed away Hyrule incorrectly out of panic, and it is only through the divine intervention of Hylia, essentially, that the citizens of Hyrule were able to flee to the mountaintops. And Basically also placed the barrier, like, we've we've had that question, where did the barrier around Hyrule come from? And Caleb's suggestion is that Hylia is protecting the kingdom she founded through that barrier, specifically. And it's not broken until Daphnis wishes on the Triforce for it to be destroyed.
0: Now, Hylia, notably not really around during the events, the Era of the Great Sea. True. Where'd she go? Away Back to the edge of time, I guess. I don't know.
2: I mean, she died during the the natural lifespan of Zelda, although she can still affect the universe from the edge of time.
1: I always got the impression playing Wind Waker that it was actually the Master Sword that created that barrier in a sense. Or no, no, it's Ganondorf who's doing it's the It's Ganondorf. Barrier. That's just Ganon.
2: Because Daphnis was ready to flood everything.
1: I mean, I, I, I
2: don't- Or the gods were ready to flood
1: everything. I think that of the bad king decisions throughout the vast Zelda history of bad king decisions, this one actually ranks pretty low.
2: I would agree. You got to burn down your house sometimes to get rid of the cockroaches. Hmm. What a way
0: to put that. Crystal, what do you think? You're saying sometimes you need to flood your entire kingdom? Yeah. Killing thousands of people?
2: Well, I hope there was an emergency evacuation plan. (laughs) Maybe I don't there was
0: everyone made it to the mountaintops.
1: Oh, definitely not everyone made it to the mountaintops, but a significant portion of the people who didn't make it were probably killed by Ganon instead of by the water. Remind so that sounds me. to me
0: like a failure to prepare for Ganon. That's true.
2: Remind me, Daphnis conducted the old sages. Yes. The flood was kind of an unexpected consequence as they appealed to the gods. Yes, no? Or did he appeal
0: for a flood?
1: You know, I actually forget if that's answered textually. What do you
0: think, Crystal? I think the Flood, the idea of a Flood was the gods' idea. But Daphnis was aware that it would be something drastic. Mm. It's gotta be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, your, your house is, you know, bedbug ridden.
0: I guess Daphnis'
1: real idea is not so much to protect Hyrule as it is to protect the Triforce from Ganon.
2: Yeah, shame about all the people.
1: <laughs> shame about all the people. Necessary Collateral. I think the big thing to take away from Wind Waker, though, is that in spite of the fact that in some ways Daphne's, um actions could be argued as justified, he did make a mistake and the entire end of his character arc is about owning that mistake and owning the world that he destroyed so badly that his children couldn't inherit it. That's, that's the whole game, right? It's about climate change and how previous generations completely fucked it up for the children. That's yeah. Right. Until Anima got over it. I mean <laughs> I don't Is 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 that how you see it? Did he get over it? Where what games do you see him getting over it in?
0: Uh Twilight Princess. Oh, do tell. to go back to Hyrule, back to the Triforce, back to Ganondorf. It's not washed away, baby. Oh right, yeah, okay, yeah. When you put it that way, yeah.
2: Well, when you debut your amazing game at E three and it has a very mixed reaction out of the box. You're going to scramble and say, how do we appease these idiot Americans?
1: <laughs> Damn. Is that is that what they were saying?
2: Uh-huh. And the answer was, redo Ocarina of
1: Time. They, it was they the did. best-selling Zelda game. <laughs> yeah. They did redo Ocarina of Time, and Twilight Princess was the best-selling Zelda game for a long time. So it's not like they were wrong, but I think you're right, Crystal, that that is a uh, less bold, creative choice.
2: So we think... Uh, no, Halia didn't step in there. That was Gandorf. Daphnis was kind of prepared for a very bad outcome, but ultimately the flooding was the gods.
0: Yeah, I think um, Halia is pretty absent in this era. I don't think she's up to anything.
2: On to the next email.
0: Okay, so
1: basically, um, this is from Lucas, and what Lucas has suggested here is a story. In which the calamity is the personification of Ganondorf's hatred, which means that Ganondorf is freed up to be part of the triumvirate of good guys. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a, it's just long just long enough for actually I say that I'm going to go in there. I can't remember if this is an idea I've stolen or not. So apologies if it is. I know the concept of Ganon as a protagonist has come up before. And I strongly doubt this is a direction the story would take, but it's a story I would love to see. It would probably have to occur in Breath of the Wild 2, barring further timeline shenanigans. This uh, email, by the way, is from September 30th of 2021, so the next round of Tears of the Kingdom trailers hadn't started yet, so more details about the story weren't known, though we had already seen Double Dracula Super Satan, Ganondorf. Corpseman. Corpseman. Once again, Calamity Ganon is a threat, but Zelda black-holed it? I'd have to figure this out later. Zelda, still recovering from the end of Breath of the Wild, and Link, newly left-handed, are in no condition to fight it. On the brink of death, barely able to defend their own lives, who should appear to p- help push the Calamity returned back but the despot from beneath the castle, Ganondorf, the only contemporaneous entity whose hunger for the whole of reality could rival the calamities. Here, we get the representatives of the Triforce working in concert for the very first time, for Ganondorf would not share his heart's desire with anyone, even something so closely related to himself, and his enemies turned allies would have no such ambition. Having attained some safety, Ganondorf outlines a plan. He may be less in the Calamity, but the three together with the Triforce could perhaps defeat it with an uneasy truce. Whatever happens afterward, well, that bridge will burn when they get there, for they cannot afford to burn it even a moment sooner. You know, I actually think that that's basically the only context in which a protagonist-aligned Ganondorf would work.
2: An uneasy truce?
0: With inevitable betrayal.
2: So like Smash Brothers brawl?
1: Yes, exactly like the subspace emissary.
0: I perceive Ganondorf as kind of a Vegeta type who would be very reluctant to work together, but I guess Vegeta does do it anyway. Vegeta does do it anyway, but I think it's important to remember that
1: Ganondorf since he was introduced, is primarily characterized as a liar. Yep. And I think that the one part on where I differ from Lucas on this scenario is that Ganondorf would approach them in all sincerity.
2: Yeah. But traditionally, Link and Zelda don't buy his stuff at all.
1: (laughs) they don't. But what choice do they have? This is very similar to the, I don't remember if it was floated on the podcast, but the Zelda RPG idea we've talked about a couple of times where you possibly have, if you, you have a male Gerudo party member, and my thought is that they shouldn't be Ganondorf, but if Ganondorf is in your party, he should also be the final boss. Yes.
0: For there to be a male Gerudo, that would suggest that Ganondorf is dead, right? Um. No, I don't think so. Okay.
2: It depends on your interpretation of, like, the hundred years. If
1: one is born every hundred years, does that mean that if a Gerudo king lives to be 115 that there will be a fifteen-year-old scion of his line when he
0: dies. I I kind of interpret it as the last one has to die before the new one can be born, mm. kind of like a reincarnation thing. Inter- hmm. I wonder about that because Twilight Princess. It seems like there is
1: a, an older Gerudo king in the form of Death Sword, who is uh, contemporaneous with the life of Ganondorf.
2: Well, not necessarily contemporaneous with Ganondorf.
1: I mean, Ganondorf's alive now,
2: right? But he could have been uh, executed some great amount of time prior.
1: No, what I mean is, I think Death Sword is actually older than Ganondorf. Yeah. But does can you be reincarnated at the same time that you leave a ghost
0: behind? Yeah, why not? I, it's
1: really hard for me to argue with, yeah, why not? So I have to give that one to you.
0: A ghost is like a remnant of one's will, but it's not the full soul. I mean, I guess that depends on the ghost you're talking
1: about, especially in the Zelda series, where some ghosts are just like like a Spirit Tracks Zelda, for instance.
2: Or the Sharp Brothers.
1: The Sharp Brothers, Sharp and Flat, Yeah. I guess the other thing here, uh, Lucas, is that this is very tied into the Aonuma era of storytelling where each member of the big three are aligned to a piece of the Triforce. And I think that we've kind of moved past that era of storytelling outside of uh, very temporary sidetracking in A Link Between Worlds.
2: Looking at the specific details of the question, though, it's Ganondorf... Is siding with Link and Zelda in order to beat the Calamity, which Zelda and Link are not equipped to defeat on their own. But as we saw at the time through that one trailer, that the corpse down there is Ganondorf, aligned with the Calamity.
1: I mean, we assume that it's aligned with the Calamity, but we don't know it.
2: It's got the same eyeball. Crystal,
1: be trapped what trapped there by the Calamity? Mm. Crystal, what's your take on the continued um, fandom alignment of the big three with the Triforce pieces?
0: So clearly it's boomer stuff at this point. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, I can't I can't exactly blame people for being attached to the paradigm of Zelda of their childhoods. Can we at least say elder
2: millennial? (laughs)
0: No, no, it's boomer. <laughs> boomer just means old.
2: Okay. It's not
0: actually Rennials referring- are older than
1: boomers now. Ah. Yeah. It's not It's not baby bo- It's not a generational thing. It just means old. Okay. Boomer's a state of mind. Boomer's a state of mind. I try not to be a boomer, but I can't help it.
2: That's so- horrifying.
1: I mean, it is a compelling thing to return to because it gave us some very compelling stories when we were kids. We loved the shit out of Ocarina of Time, and part of that is how the- relationship between Ganondorf, Link, and Zelda got a lot more tightly intertwined with the entanglement of the Triforce pieces. So I get why people would want to stick to that, even if I don't think it's real at all in the Fujibayashi era. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I got sidetracked there. Um, let see. We already read Jackson's Ocarina of Time theory. I'm going to go ahead and read this email from Shiny Vacation uh, sent in February of 2022. So we're really moving along here. Hi, Crystal, Cam, and Monica. You are all incredible and I've got several friends listening to Medora and spreading your various theories with crystals presented as hard facts so as to cause the most chaos in the world.
2: That's beautiful.
1: I think that this is the, like, speaking, dropping my reader voice for a moment. Thank you, shiny vacation. Everyone within the sound of my voice should definitely get everyone around you to listen to the book of Midorah. Not because I particularly care if we're listened to by more people, but just because more people need to hear Crystal's bullshit.
0: (laughs) Yay. Yay.
1: I have a theory about the prophetic dreams characteristic of the princesses of Hyrule. As you allude to throughout your series on Twilight Princess, I, too, despise when the series throws around concepts such as predestined outcomes unpreventable prophecies, and straight-up chosen ones from birth. But the Making of a Champion input on the prophecy preceding Breath of the Wild's backstory got me thinking. What if we think of—what if what we think of as prophecy is just very educated guesses or pre-witnessed previews of things to come from Hylia, a goddess who we know exists in a place beyond time, and therefore someone who knows a lot about the future from experience rather than some divine insight. It would recontextualize the way prophecy is treated and interacted with in the games, such that the will of the gods or the true future are really the opinion of a meddling goddess who has been there and back, much like you suggested in your Breath of the Wild 2 second trailer episode, with regard to Skyward Sword's fable battle between Hylia and Demise. Oh, fucking second. Did we do a Breath of the Wild 2 second trailer episode before February 10th of 2022?
0: I believe we did the second and the third trailer at the same episode. Were those trailers that fucking old? I think so. Yes. Jesus,
1: Lord, protect me. They really spaced out the trailers and the advertising on that game. Uh-huh. Okay, 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 okay. The notion that they have clashed before and will clash again, they being highly in demise, becomes not so much a legend as it is history. When you consider that the goddess has likely traveled backward in time in order to alter the outcomes of her world, I very much am suspicious of the Hylia that is separate from an ascended Princess Zelda, who somewhat shares her consciousness as I feel that goddesses' mistakes and flaws may be at fault for what is to come in the sequel to Breath of the Wild. As always, it is a joy to hear your thoughts, and I apologize for the density of this email. Your fan and devoted Mador evangelist, Shiny Vacation. Thank you, Shiny Vacation. Do not apologize for the length of an email. Worst case, I'll truncate it. Wasn't the case here.
2: Thank you, Shiny. Thank you, Shiny.
1: Okay, so, Crystal... I want to hear your thoughts on this idea behind prophecy as lived experience and if that – does that present a meaningful difference to prophecy as a simple vision of the future or true destiny?
0: I think prophecies are often framed as being visions provided by God or gods. So it makes sense that with Zelda being so closely connected to the Hylia Oversoul or whatever – that she receives visions from things that have happened from the perspective of Hillia, even though they haven't happened yet.
1: Would that make it meaningfully different from people's idea, like the, the conceit of this was bound to happen, you were chosen from birth?
0: No, I don't, I don't really think so. But I don't really have a problem with that type of storytelling either. Hmm. If I did on the Twilight Princess episode, I've changed my mind <laughs> <laughs> I like when characters are are have an inescapable fate.
3: Ooh.
1: Well, I, I believe that our thing in Twilight Princess is that we weren't as big on the idea of Link being the special boy, rather than someone who rises to it because someone has to. He's just fulfilling a historical niche. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that taking this in two parts. Firstly, prophecies can be very vague. As Gandalf is dark clouds, and then a boy shows up for the... Well, then that part's quite literal, with the boy showing up with the the gem in his hand or whatever. And the fairy. But the dark clouds, definitely. Uh, What does that mean? Um, But, uh, and there are prophecies, such as expressed in Breath of the Wild shrines, that can be averted. Your, Your success at this trial adverts a prophecy of doom.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's one of the things about time travel and the idea of fate in Zelda is that in both the Aonuma era and the Fujibayashi era, fate isn't set. You can change what happens between timelines.
2: And drawing from the, you know, whether or not you're predestined to actually uh, go through this trial or, or you're the chosen boy or, or what have you, I would say. The people making those statements might believe that firmly, but there might not be that might not be a a fact. There might still be a lot of things that make that are setting you up for that position. But as we saw in Breath of the Wild, a huge unexpected uh, calamity ball could come around and really mess uh, your expectations or day up. Uh, therefore, you know it could be someone else stepping in. It could be you know. Some other uh, alternative measures that have to be taken. Fate's not locked in.
1: Do you find anything that you disagree with there, Crystal?
0: I think that the divine perspective is very different from the mortal perspective. And maybe there's always a divine plan, even if the mortals don't recognize it.
1: So you would suggest that from the mortal perspective, the gods aren't really capable of being
0: wrong? I'm saying from the mortal perspective... You might perceive that you are changing your fate, but actually that was your fate all along. So it is predestined.
2: There are definitely things that are locked in with respect to time travel and time change and so on. But then there's also things that are definitely not locked in.
1: Crystal, do you think that this perfect knowledge is something that's exclusive to Hylia? Or is it shared by other beings who have conquered time as Phi describes Demise? Because I think that the version of this view of time and the ability to set destiny only works if there is only a single god who is capable of it.
0: Well, it could be the interaction between Helium and Demise that makes things unpredictable.
1: So you're suggesting that even on the celestial level that things can't be set in stone because powers from outside of time can still vie for control
0: with each other. That's why the mortal conflicts tend to echo the divine conflicts. The Hylia versus Demise becomes Zelda versus Ganondorf. So
1: do we think that there is a set future? Or is the conflict between extra-temporal powers necessarily changing things all the time?
0: Well, the obvious problem with there being a set future is that we know there are very many futures. True. So I guess we can't really say that there is a set future, Mm -hmm. but there are divine entities who have a lot of knowledge about time that are driving things in particular directions.
1: Does Hylia on the edge of time exist simultaneously in all timelines or are there as many Hylia's as there are timelines? You know, that's a great question. Ah. (laughs) Is, and I think that, funny enough, we're going to end up asking ourselves similar questions about uh, the nature of evil.
2: Upcoming episode.
1: Well, not just in an upcoming episode. Uh, just from the perspective that we had in 2017 or 2022, I think that that's also a question that could be applied to Demise and the curse of Demise and the wish that echoes across timelines. Because we, we've kind of workshopped this theory that the Triforce can... Up- resonate with itself in other timelines almost as if there's even if there's more than one that they're still connected they're still essentially the same
2: i think that hylia as a god of, of time can see across timelines
1: but are there other versions of her in other timelines or is it just one it's
2: like the triforce
1: i see so connected gods of time
2: yes effectively making them the same person
1: interesting i think that makes sense to me okay well, you know, we're never strictly uh, bound by any observation or theory that we make, so we'll inevitably change this in future. But yeah, that sounds reasonable so far. The, I think the the question, uh, Destiny or Conspiracy? I think we land on the side of conspiracy, actually.
2: <laughs> Great title.
1: Okay, so our friend of the podcast, Jeff, wrote in with a joke for the next Zelda-themed podcast. I'm not going to read that one, but... Um, We do have a letter from friend of the show, Nora. What's up, Book of Mud, or a podcast? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) As you may have already been made aware, Brawl did did indeed release a year after the Haloid animation was uploaded. However, I must remind the hosts that the game debuted at the E3 press conference in 2006 with a reveal trailer that introduced several new characters. Meta Knight... Pit, Zero Suit Samus, Wario, and, famously, Snake. Therefore, it is clear that Monty Omen friends were drawing from official materials, not the other way around. I do, however, believe that a Haloid entry in the Metroid narrative verse is warranted. Haloid could, in point of fact, be promotional material for one of the media properties depicting our fair warrior from which the Samus Aran toy in Super Smash Bros. is derived. As for the many names for the place to which Samus delivered the baby, oh, God in heaven. I think the simpler explanation is that the station is Sarah Station, and the Academy is located on the station. Question one. I guess this is really a Metroid question, but, I mean... We missed it. We missed it. Hooray! If you had to decide a new direction to take Metroid in but we're explicitly barred from anything Metroid already has been, search action, pinball, first-person adventure, etc., what would you propose for a brand-new version of Metroid? Question two. Well, actually, let's do question one first. If we can't make a search action Metroid, what the hell do we make?
0: Hmm. Can't do first-person adventure, can't do pinball. I mean, I guess an RPG, right? For me, it's a text adventure. Okay. A
1: text adventure. I mean, does do, do, does the does the choose your own adventure style novel account for that? Because that was kind of a text adventure.
2: Oh no, but like you go and and there's a Gru.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I mean that that kind of already happened. That was the book.
2: It's similar, but it's still different. It's not a choose your own.
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So we got. I, I would like a character action game. God damn it, just. Just the promise of other M's combat, but actually delivered instead of being what it was. And if you have to cut out the exploration, cut out the exploration and make it all combat all the time.
2: You want it to be like that game with a cigarette.
1: Vanquish? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Game with a cigarette. Crystal, did you ever play Vanquish? I've played Vanquish, yes. How would you feel about a Metroid that played more or less like Vanquish? Vanquish.
0: I would love for them to maybe uh, finesse the charging times on your boost. Because I always feel like I don't have enough boost in that game.
1: Oh, yeah. That's completely fair. Well, I mean, it is Metroid. You would probably be able to upgrade the amount of boost you have. Whereas that's not really a thing as much in Vanquish. I've got it. I've got
2: it. A princess maker. Okay. Yeah.
1: Go on.
2: (laughs) Um, You are uh, Gray Voice and the other one. And you're raising a baby Samus, and you have to, you know, figure out, uh, you know, is she going to school? Is she going to learn to bless some some monsters? Is she going to go out and interact with people? And much like Princess Maker, the one that I played, I can't remember the number, she can also go out and and adventure.
1: I think it was Princess Maker 2 that you played when
0: you were a kid. Hard to say. Yeah, hard to say. Actually, I kind of like that. That does sound really good. In this game, would you also be able to uh, decide what kind of DNA cocktail to inject in Samus? Ooh, like that determines her stats. Yeah, like it, the starting off. If you put in uh, Toha genes, she becomes
1: much better at science, but much more inclined to do bad science.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> like the, the, the current blood typing of the Princess Makers, only with oh. genetic splicing.
1: Right, yes, yes, yes.
2: And at the end, you can decide her career. Of course, the top career is bounty
1: hunter. I mean, the the career in is its own. Like they make the decision for you, right?
2: Uh, no, based on you, her
1: stats and the things that you've completed.
2: Yes, based on your stats and your work experience and your morality, you you have a, a job.
1: So you don't pick that. The game does it for you based on how you played.
2: Yes, you are aiming towards the idealized job, not princess, but bounty
1: hunter. I would say that bounty hunter should actually be the middle of the road.
2: Okay, fine.
1: And like, the best version of it is she unites the Chozo clans or something like that?
2: Yeah, or galactic republic leader or something. There should
1: be at least one ending where she goes off and just lives as a hippie on Talon Four. Yes. Okay, Okay, are, are are all three of us in on this princess maker Metroid idea? The Metroid yeah, maker. I'm into
0: this. I like uh-huh. this. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. This 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 child raising sim version of Metroid. Yeah, this is the that's the one. That's the one we would go with. Question two is Samus Aran Dovahkiin, or perhaps um, Balanalkin, World Destroyer born, if you prefer. I don't know what that means.
0: So still- Dovahkiin in Skyrim is a, a person born with the soul of a dragon. And if we consider birds to be a type of dragon, which of course they are, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. She wasn't born with the soul, but she had the soul injected. <laughs> okay. So she, but it, so, but why is it?
2: What does the Dovahkiin do? It- <laughs>
0: uh, mostly the Dovahkiin kills dragons and eats their souls, which is exactly what Samus does when she kills creatures and then sucks up their life energy. Yep. That is pretty similar. So yes, I guess she is a Dovahkiin. I, I guess so. It seems like such an odd thing to relate to it.
1: Oh, question three was, tell us more about that crystal. No, Nora really anticipating my ass over here.
0: <laughs> yes, the other name, Balankeen worthy destroyer born, is a custom name because all dragons' names are a combination of three words. Oh,
1: really? Yes. So uh, the main villain dragon of Skyrim all-doing all-doing what what does his name mean? I think it's world eater.
0: Yeah, that's his a uh, yeah, he's called the world eater, but his name means like I think devourer, destroyer, ruler or something like that.
1: That's pretty sick. Yeah. And he's the one who's supposed to end the universe in Elder Scrolls, right?
0: That's right. You got to reset the Kalpa
1: and eventually he will win that fight. You're just delaying the time at which he's going to do it.
0: If the world doesn't get eaten, it'll just grow forever. You can't have that. Why not? It'll it'll, it'll get too tangled up. Oh, right. Cosmology
1: and Elder Scrolls. I'm sure that the sentence you just said makes perfect sense to some people.
0: Well, you know, it's like if you want your hair to grow, you need to cut off a little bit every once in a while. I don't know if that's true. I think that might be made up.
2: This is more the become bald for a while. (laughs)
0: Sometimes if your hair gets really knotted up and tangled, you just shave it all off. Do okay, that next time.
1: That sounds right. That's, you, yeah. once, you're, once your hair is too damaged, you got to shave it off.
0: It'll grow back. It'll be fine.
1: Thank you, thank you for that email that is way, way too into the vibes of this podcast, Nora. I'm intimidated and, wait, and grateful.
0: First of all, Nora's point about Haloid. The thing specifically about Haloid is that Samus has the jet boots. Which she does not have in Brawl. Doesn't she? She does not have the jet boots in Brawl. Shit, what was her up B in Brawl?
2: Wasn't it just the shooter thing?
0: Let me check. Her up special
1: was the plasma wire. Yeah, that was just her whip. So the jet boots did come from Haloid. That's right. God, I knew it was something like that, but I didn't have the wherewithal to remember. Go on, Crystal. Oh,
0: that's all That's all I had to say.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that... Hmm. Yeah, the Jet Boots, like, Sakurai did watch Haloid and took from it at least a little bit. Did we talk about that before? Yes. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay.
2: Monty wins.
1: Monty wins again, posthumously. Um, okay, dear Crystal, Monica, and Cameron, this is Jackson again. During one of the Broken Skull sessions, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin Talk Show, he asked the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, what is his favorite Legend of Zelda game? And Cody said, Ocarina of Time. Stone Cold replied, no, Breath of the Wild is. Do you agree or disagree with Stone Cold? I think Ocarina of Time is better. Also, did you know you can feed acorns to squirrels in Breath of the Wild? <laughs> um, it's so good that you
0: can feed animals in Breath of the Wild.
1: I have definitely fed uh, deer with apples. You really have to, like, back off really far to let them get
0: at it.
2: I That's how have you draw not on really. A horse. I have not really fed any animal. I tried with some birds uh, this time, non-spoiler, <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they,
2: they flew away. I they, was too close.
0: Yeah. They, they saw that acorn hit the ground. They're like, shit, we got to go. So in this anecdote, has Stone Cold disagreed that Cody's favorite game is, is Ocarina? <laughs> so see, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think that I have to agree that
1: with Cody that his favorite game is Ocarina just because that's what, what, what came out of his mouth. Now, maybe Steve Austin has some insight, and his close relationship with Cody is where he's going like, no, 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 listen, you say that because it's the default answer that you've had since you were a kid, but the way you talk about Breath of the Wild, that's clearly your new favorite, and I would respect that. Okay. But but just based on the level of text that we've been given by Jackson, I have to side with Cody Rhodes and say that Cody's favorite Zelda is Ocarina of Time. (laughs)
2: We should believe and also allow for people who have differing, even if very unconventional answers. And that's not even a very unusual favorite answer for a Zelda game.
0: Come on, Steve. Do better about respecting your friends' opinions. Now, if, as for my own opinion, Ocarina of Time is way better than The Breath of Wild. It's not uh, even Oh, my.
2: I think it's okay. I mean, we're not even talking about, like, best Zelda, which, yeah. you know, people can have different opinions on. That's right. fine. But, uh favorite you know the one of my favorites is skyward sword which is really hated by a lot of other people and that's okay they can they can dislike it there are some points in which i think i could try to talk to people about to to challenge that that belief and they're free to try with me as well but you know People are, or other people are other people.
1: That's a great um, swerve away. Jackson wants to know if you think that Ocarina is better or if Breath of the Wild is better.
2: In in being a Zelda game,
1: I it, we weren't given any details. Oh, the text is right in front of you.
2: <laughs> I think that Breath of the Wild is probably a more fun game to play, but there are many different ways to frame that question in which Ocarina of Time would come out on top
0: ocarina of time has better story better graphics better sound <gasps> better <laughs> gameplay i have to push back on the sound thing <laughs> okay really
1: yes absolutely
0: the Wild doesn't have any music
1: chris sound design please don't fall music. for this six-year-old meme it's true though it is not true And I'm not going to have this argument with you because I I love you too much to argue on the podcast about whether or not Breath of the Wild has music.
0: It has much more subtle atmospheric field music, whereas Ocarina of Time has Gerudo Valley and such.
1: That part is true. I can't argue with that. Though its town themes are easily comparable to most of the town themes in Ocarina of Time. That's fair. Um... But also when you said sound, I was thinking in terms of like sound design, Mm -hmm. like the sound effects and the sound effects in Breath of the Wild are phenomenal. Like just the different sounds that Link's feet makes as he walks across different surfaces, depending on the shoes that he's wearing. Oh, I love that shit. It's like shooting good chemicals directly into my brain.
0: That's true.
2: I read an interview with a sound designer because Nintendo released about a hundred or so, um, non-game dev, necessarily, uh, job uh, interviews in the careers page. And the the sound designer interviewed, talked about how for Breath of the Wild, he had to set up a layer of three sounds. So Link's carrying a shield, a weapon, a bow, and walking. And it sounded too busy uh, originally because they were all clanging at the same time. And he came to an epiphany when on the subway and seeing somebody with a giant bag... Slung over his shoulder, and the sound from the bag really only sounded when his left foot was was hitting the floor. So that was taken into account. That you know, the bow, the shield, depending on its placement, would clank uh, only on one foot walking.
0: Sound designers are so smart. <laughs> it is wild the shit
1: that you can get working when you have like really smart people sticking around for a long time, sh- pooling together their knowledge.
2: Yeah, this is the career my sister's in, and it's really cool.
1: It is really cool. Um, I guess I might as well weigh in. I've said in the past that I think that Ocarina of Time is the least flawed of any 3D Zelda, and I still think that's true. It's the one that you can recommend with the least number of caveats. I don't know if that necessarily makes it better than Breath of the Wild, but it's because they're such different goddamn games. Like, they are so different. Which one has Sheik? It's true that Ocarina of Time has Sheik and Breath of the Wild does not. But also, Breath of the Wild has characters that I really like, whereas they weren't in Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time has Malon, but Breath of the Wild has Mipha.
0: Which game has a hookshot? Now see, that's just the thing. You care about the hookshot more than I do. Which game has, um, what's it called? What do you call that thing that I forgot I was about to say? I, that could, that could be a couple things. Which game has an ocarina?
1: That's true. The ability to play music is a big deal, and they didn't reintroduce the ability to play music until Tears of the Kingdom.
0: Which game has a mirror shield?
1: Oh, another Tears of the Kingdom answer, but yeah, it's definitely Ocarina of Time.
0: Which game has re <laughs> Now, you gotta remember that for certain members of this podcast, that's not actually a positive. Which game has uh, Link, he comes from somewhere, and people know him in that place, and he has a little oomph that follows him around.
2: Crystal, with the exception of that last part, I feel like...
0: You were describing Zora's <laughs> domain in Breath of the Wild for
1: a second.
2: Well, okay. not just that, but we were getting into Tears of the Kingdom.
1: Oh, yeah, the, but the the little oomphy... For, us, for our listeners who are not... Um, to the lingo, could you uh, expand, <laughs> like, explain what that means?
0: OOMPH is an acronym for one of my followers or one of my friends. Now it is simply a generic term for the friends. For
1: especially little friends. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds diminutive.
0: Yes.
2: It's a feature we've already seen before in, a, in pre-release material, so I can ask here now. <laughs> is Ascend a hookshot?
0: No. I'd
1: say that it's not a hookshot. It's so radically different. I think in some ways it's better than a hookshot for the kind of game that Tears of the Kingdom is, but it doesn't scratch that same brain itch.
2: I feel like it's kind of a hookshot with a magical property, but it just shoots up.
0: And puts you on the other side of whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you mean, because the feel of hooking onto a ceiling is not totally dissimilar.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And it's the same like colored... You know, or or a visual guidance for when you're going to connect with it. That's great.
1: Now, Crystal, if you had to compare Tears of the Kingdom to Ocarina of Time, Mm -hmm. do you find that a closer comparison?
0: It's a closer comparison. Ocarina of Time is the type of game I like more.
1: That's completely fair. It's hard to top out on those really tightly designed um, limited open area Zelda games. and. I understand why they moved away from it on a creative level, because... it For now. For now. I mean, uh, Animo and Fujibayashi had an interview about that, right? Where they said that, honestly, the amount of different things you could do in that space is limited enough that after 20 years, you just start to feel like you're being suffocated. I can't really? remember,
2: but probably...
1: They said it was very restrictive. Like, after going through Ocarina and Majora and Wind Waker and Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, they were trying really, really hard to come up with ways to meaningfully differentiate the games from each other. And it was getting harder over time. And Breath of the (laughs) Wild, Breath of the Wild was like a creative break that was good for the entire development team.
0: Yeah, that makes sense from a development perspective. They made five of those games. So it makes sense that they were kind of running out of ideas. However, from me, a player player perspective, I love those type of games more. That's completely fair. Yep. No one would ever try to take that from you, I don't think. Um, but is they ha- The game has a big Goron sword, which is stronger than the Master Sword. <laughs> I mean, Breath
1: of the Wild has several swords that are stronger than the Master Sword.
2: Breath of the Wild does have the big Goron sword.
0: It does,
1: actually. Well, Tears of the Kingdom really has the Big Goron Sword.
0: That's Tears Deanna of the Kingdom If the Master Sword away from you, it doesn't matter because you have the Big Goron Sword.
1: That's very true. That is something that you have. You can st- stab him in the butt with the Big Goron Sword for a while.
2: But you need to finish him off with the
0: Master Sword.
1: That's also true. Yes.
0: There's been a lot of focus on the Master Sword. I feel like they should go back to uh, Silver Arrows. Mm.
1: Now that is old school. I mean, we talk about how, up until now, Ganondorf was a strictly retro character. But when's the last time we saw silver arrows? I mean,
0: light arrows kind of count. They're not quite the same. Uh, they are functionally very similar, but... I would say case, going back... Was... Go ahead. We saw them in Breath of the Wild at the very end. That's true.
2: I would say going back to Stone Cold Steve Austin and um, the other guy... When you talk to different Zelda fans, there's even older Zelda fans who will assert that their favorite is still linked to the Past, or even older, uh, the original. And those become harder for me to understand. I wasn't really there for that, you know, uh, live experience, but their opinion's their opinion. Their favorite is, is a favorite for a reason.
1: Now, Crystal, if we saw the Silver Arrows in the form of the Light Arrows in Breath of the Wild, do we really need to go back to them? We keep going back to the Master Sword. I I mean, I guess that's fair, but the Light Arrows have been such pivotal items in so many of the most recent Zelda games. Like, they were huge in spirit tracks, especially in the final battle, much more important than the sword itself. And I guess the same is actually true of Breath of the Wild, because you can't kill Ganon with the Master Sword in that one. It's really only Tears of the Kingdom that returned the Master Sword to some position of primacy.
0: Yes, but you only get them for a specific sequence instead of it being a regular item that you have and can fire at any time. Like in Wind Waker
1: or Ocarina.
2: That's kind of like the ancient arrows. The function was split out.
1: I guess so. We are big on this stuff. Okay. We have another email from Andy here. Uh, Give me just a second to go over this because this one is long enough that I'll need to truncate it a bit. Okay, so the first Majora's Mask theory that Andy is uh, just sliding over here into our email is that because of the fact that it is assumed that the goddess of time in Termina is the same as the goddess of time in Hyrule. That is Hylia. How do we feel about that?
0: Yeah, I think that's,
1: that's an easy one. Okay. So also the bomber's notebook through some strange magic is able to hold information about people Uh, In spite of time being rewound. And that seems true. So what Andy would like to suggest is that the red-hatted leader of the bombers, (laughs) that is Jim, is the goddess of time. And that's the only way that notebook can work. And I don't know what to make of that one. I feel like I just got shit posted.
0: You know, I'm kind of into this. Go on. Because he's the leader of the secret society of justice, just like Hillia. Would you say that
1: Hilia is the leader of a society of justice? Because I know that you don't have the kindest opinions on Hilia all the time. Well, I think she likes to think of herself that way. I mean, you said earlier that the perspective, like, from the perspective of a god, is she on the side of
0: justice? I think the bombers are kind of a reflection of the six sages, and Jim would be the sage of time. Wasn't that the seventh sage? Depends on what game. <laughs> That's true. Okay, uh, the second um, Majora's
1: Mask theories, I should clarify that the subject line for this email is very good Majora's Mask theories, but the very good has alternating uppercase and lowercase letters, which implies that they are meant to be jokey theories, which does line up with what I'm getting here. Um, The second theory is that the stone tower was built by Rauru, who has the girthiest hands in Hyrule and used his sagely powers of light to travel to Termina and spread the good word of the <laughs> Triforce. They aren't insulting the Triforce. That's the uh, I'm quoting here That's simply Rauru showing his appreciation for the Hyrulean artifact by giving it a big old smooch. I'm going to die. I'm going to perish reading this and thinking more about Rauru because the I name mean, Rauru
0: I, I don't think it has to be the same Rauru. It could be the Terminian Rauru. Terminian Raru do tell. Well, we know that Rauru, one of the the characteristics of Rauru, he's a very good builder. So it makes sense that would carry over <laughs> to his counterpart.
2: Oh, so you, a shadow version. Not shadow version, but yes. Same guy and, in Termina
0: doing something else. And Ra- yes, and Rauru is also a religious priest in all versions. He just has a different religion down here.
1: So instead of being a priest of Hylia, he's a priest of what?
0: <laughs> Majora?
1: Yeah, all right. The Priest of Majora. that mm, I don't know about that one, but we'll go with it. Okay, would you like me to read Andy's Zelda joke? its It's got like a setup on it, so it goes on for a bit. We can read that at the end. Okay, okay. I'll leave that one to you then. I'll leave this email starred.
2: I think we have three jokes reserved up, which is fantastic.
1: Yes, it's mm-hmm. definitely good. Jackson sends in... Uh, bonus episode idea. Here we go. Dear BOM podcast crew, I played Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and now I'm playing Kirby 64 The Crystal Shards with the Nintendo 64 expansion pack on the Switch, which I recommend. And I was wondering if you could do a Kirby bonus episode and explain why Link's Hat and Sword is in most, if not all, the Kirby games, and if that is the Master Sword. I know if you have mentioned Kirby before, I think it was in the Dark Interloper bonus episode. If you've not played Kirby in the Forgotten Land, I highly recommend it. It is awesome. If you have played it, what do you think of the new Mouthful mode? Should Kirby transform, or is it fine the way it is, and he just covers the bigger objects like a car, a vending machine, and even a semi-truck? One last thing. If you name your kid Kirby, would he or she automatically be destined to eat you out of house and home? I think that is how the saying goes. Jackson. Well, thank you, Jackson. Yes, that child would devour um, everything in the house, regardless of their size. That's how naming works. Yep. We did play
0: the Forgotten Land. That was a fun game.
2: Crystal, did you I play was, it?
0: I have not played it. You were saying? So traditionally, our theory about this has been that Dreamland is a land that connects many different worlds in the Nintendo multiverse. Mm-hmm. Sure. So Kirby has all sorts of stuff like Link's hat and sword. That's true also has reuse headband and the shore you can- yes
1: did you know that Street Fighter is a Nintendo property? Well Kirby says it is
2: <sighs> The boundaries of Capcom is, is is thin
1: yes very thin
2: but link is the the um, epitome of a swordsman so sword power link
1: yeah that makes sense. if you aspire to be a strong sword person you're just going to look like link in the vast Nintendo meta-narrative.
0: As far as the mouthful mode goes, I gotta say, I don't like to look at it. Oh, really? I do not like seeing Kirby's mouth stretched over a car. <laughs> Why not? It, it, to me, it is it, it activates my disgust reflex.
1: Just your whole brain says this should not be. Yes.
2: Well, this actually came up in a conversation with that I had with Cameron yesterday, which was, could, could Kirby eat a Hinox? And I think we settled on... Oh, God. It would be a mouthful mode
1: <laughs> context. We settled on... You said this... I settled on... And I nodded along in terror.
2: Uh-huh. And then... But the fun part is if Kirby uh, was interacting with a Stalnox, I think that Kirby would replace the Stalnox's eyeball. So instead of the eyeball, there would just be be Kirby piloting it around.
0: <laughs> Kirby's a
1: head crab. A headcrab from the Half-Life series by Valve, the video game producer, who don't make video games anymore. Valve is
0: not a video game producer.
1: That's, I, I just said
0: they don't make them anymore. Okay. Because the two powers of Kirby, one, he eats something, he can transform into it. Two, if he doesn't finish eating something, he still controls it.
1: That's That's true. That is the idea behind Mouthful Mode, I suppose. So you are there any versions of Mouthful
0: Mode that bother you less? Uh, I guess the vending machine one's okay. Hold on, I'm going to uh, get the one for the fan. I don't like the fan. Really? Why is that? No.
1: Two rounds. Two, Kirby is two round? Wrong <laughs> type of rounds. <laughs> oh, well, um, what don't about... Don't send it over. Huh?
2: No need to send it over.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I
0: don't like the VLC media player, Kirby.
1: Oh, that's actually the one I was going to send along. I actually have that one as my VLC icon in Windows.
0: (laughs) That's pretty good.
1: Right? Yeah, I like that. So um, this podcast is going to come down on the side of not huge on Mouthful Mode, though I think it averages out to pretty all right with it, since I obviously find it delightful.
3: I
2: think Kirby should be able to eat everything regardless of size. So Mouthful mold is surprising to me.
1: I mean, I yeah, I guess so. One thing that I appreciate about The Forgotten Land is that it changes Kirby's relative scale. We've gotten used to the idea that Kirby is six inches tall, but if you put Kirby next to a fully-sized car, he's clearly much more than eight inches tall.
2: The world is smaller.
1: I don't believe that.
2: It's a world for small people.
0: I don't buy it. Sorry. You're in one world. I don't buy it. This is the ruins of the downsizing town from Downsizing.
1: Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. So, Crystal, you would say that when Kirby does the um, classic Jerry the Mouse with the block of cheese thing, it is unpleasant. That's right. Okay. Now, does that also apply to other cartoon characters, or is it more specifically about Kirby?
0: It's specifically the way that his mouth is stretched. Because when Jerry eats the block of cheese, he is the shape of a big triangle. but His mouth is not stretched over the cheese. Right.
2: I get that.
1: Kirby ends up looking like a layer of pink fondant spread over the top half of a car. Yes. Is that part of the bad element? That's right. Okay, so I'm sorry to keep talking about that thing that you found unpleasant, Crystal. Monica's rolling her eyes at me for sticking to that so much. I was just curious. <laughs> I apologize. I do.
0: Okay, it's fine.
1: Um, So we got another one from Jackson Woodward, um, specifically asking about specifically aiming to destroy the accursed timeline here. Oh no, Mm -hmm. it's okay. The Ruto crowns and other
0: Hyrulean stuff could have washed in after the flood. How did they get into the treasure chests?
2: Mm, The treasure chests washed in.
0: It's not like they're littered over the beach. They're in treasure chests in spirit tracks.
2: And the treasure chests of a design aligned with the rest of the treasure chests of the of the world.
0: Yeah.
1: So we reject the idea that they could have been um, washed as a body across the span of continents and oceans.
2: I guess they could have been picked up after they were washed over and then then put into a chest. I would say that that is a little bit like what what? What are we talking about in terms of the flood washing them in?
1: I'm assuming the floodwaters from Wind Waker. Okay. Taking them from Hyrule Kingdom and washing them over to new Hyrule across the sea. I don't know that that's really how currents work for objects like that unless the treasure chest could float, but traditionally they don't.
2: But
0: yeah, I feel um, like, uh, yeah. go ahead. I feel like uh, a coin would sink and get caught on the, the grounds.
2: Mm-hmm. And also, are we saying then that the flood also affected this land? Because I don't really think that's the case. It's not like the flood really receded.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think that 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 that's part of what happened.
0: Well, if you introduce a lot of water, I guess that would have to affect neighboring regions in some way. Hmm. Unless
1: Hyrule itself is just like one gigantic valley where most of it exists beneath sea level.
2: Or it is surrounded by mountains in a lot of areas.
1: Yeah. It's like a big bowl.
2: Also, the coinage is specifically from a very old era of Hyrule. Or, you know, it's not rupees. We didn't see a whole lot of rupees.
1: It predates the usage of rupees. Yeah. We've never seen
0: the arrow that predates the usage of rupees. Not yet. The coins are not necessarily currency, or at least not the general currency. That's potentially true, yeah. Because usually gold and silver coins were just used between lords. Hmm, that would make sense. So we're coming down on the side of probably not. I think it makes more sense for it to be from New Hyrule. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Which is Old Hyrule. Which is the Old Kingdom. (laughs)
2: Okay. Okay.
1: So yes, it is slowly. but That's that's Tears of the Kingdom stuff, though. This is New Hyrule is the Old Kingdom. Okay, now we actually have an email from Monica. Oh. It was sent um, June 29th of 2022, almost exactly one year ago. I don't know why she sent this, but she did.
2: Because I wanted to talk about it.
1: What if the hand in the toilet is Tortoise? Now, uh, I'm just going to read this real quick. For listeners who don't remember, Tortoise is... The grandma's son, uh, Andrew's father, I think, mm-hmm. theorized multiple places online. Andrew's mom says Cafe will leave like Tortoise. Cafe in a cheating context. But when Andrew's grandmother calls her Tortoise, Andrew tells her that he has died. And there's a hand in the end toilet. Really, people seem confused at the leave-die thing, but it's exactly the mom's personality to blame him for dying and
0: leaving her.
2: Yeah, this wasn't my theory. I found it online.
0: <laughs> well, go on. So what this suggests is that tortoise died on the toilet.
2: (laughs) And fell in the toilet, which is a pretty bad way to go.
0: Maybe it's just his
1: ghost that's in the toilet. Why would his ghost be in the toilet? Because he died on the toilet.
2: Maybe he died on the toilet without toilet paper and he's very polite. So he wanted to go (laughs) to the washroom and there was no (laughs) toilet paper. So out of embarrassment, he died. He died. Yes.
1: As opposed, uh, maybe he was like, he sees that there's no toilet paper and he thinks about how his wife didn't replace the goddamn toilet paper after finishing the roll and he just gets so mad that he has an aneurysm.
2: I feel attacked.
1: I, I didn't say it was about you, but uh, yeah, I I cannot fucking imagine why you said this in. I am so I (laughs) am so lost.
2: The year from a The Me from a year ago had a good reason. (laughs) I don't know what that reason is.
0: (laughs) No, I understand. This does make sense. Mm. I like this theory. But like there's something interesting in the social dynamics
1: of Anju's mother blaming tortoise for leaving by dying and somehow equating that with cafe but saying that Cafe's committing infidelity. Is she saying that Tortoise committed infidelity? And di- Did she fucking
0: kill Tortoise, actually? <laughs> on the toilet?
1: <laughs> she taking away him? the toilet paper.
0: Well, she could have stabbed poison him. him with, poisoned him with a medic poison? Just put some poison on the toilet
1: paper, so when he went to wipe, it got oh, in through no. his um, uh, mucous
0: membranes and he died? No, like she poisoned him with poisoned food and it made him go to the toilet. And he just died of diarrhea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Tortoise cheated on Anju's
1: mom and she poisoned. (laughs)
2: She thought that he
1: did. (laughs) And she poisoned him to death. He just kept wiping and wiping, but he couldn't take care of it because it just kept coming. Game theory. Darker than you think. (laughs) (laughs) The Majora's Mask iceberg. It goes deeper than you would ever imagine. We got the red arrow pointing down at toilet hand. (laughs) Okay. So is this what we're arriving at? The tortoise like Anju's mom equating and uh, Cafe's assumed cheating with tortoise's death I think actually does suggest that she might have killed tortoise. I can't believe... I think that's actually the first full-blown shit joke that we've made on the Book of Medora. Hey, they made it first. Did they? Because I think I did it. Maybe Monica did it. <laughs> it's the joke of the game. It is. The toilet hand is kind of that whole thing.
2: Now, the weakness of this theory is that it is an in. That is a, a public
1: toilet, or... or it, 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 it may not have been at the time.
2: Fair enough. But, you know, a, a toilet accessed by patrons...
1: All the, That just means she probably didn't shoot him on the toilet. She still could have poisoned him. It could just
2: be an overly polite guest who died.
1: Mm, from being poisoned because Tortoise cheated on Anju's <laughs> no, mom?
2: who is mortified that they don't have toilet paper.
1: I wonder if past you anticipated that this is where the con yeah, would go. Good job, me. I don't believe you. High five. I don't believe you even a little bit. You didn't know we were going to talk about Tortoise shitting himself to death after being poisoned by Anju's <laughs> mom because she thought he cheated on her. <laughs> But did he cheat on her? Uh, that doesn't matter, I think, because the end result is the same. He's fucking dead on the toilet. <laughs> Paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing. God. Okay. Thank you, past Monica, for taking us down this unbelievable road together. You're welcome. Not current Monica. Current Monica should be ashamed. I'm speaking
2: on behalf of past Monica. Okay. As her representative.
1: Okay. Um, we've, We've got a letter here from Gustav. Episode idea. We do love episode ideas. We can't say that we'll always do them or even ever do them. But we do love hearing people's ideas for episodes. Dear Cameron, Monica, and Crystal. I really like your podcast. And I think your timeline makes a lot of sense and is very agreeable. However, there is one game I think you have missed. It wasn't actually made by Nintendo. And it's really just a mod on another game but it's got a complete lore, sort of inspired by the story of Legend of Zelda. Its name is Hyrule Conquest and includes many of the same characters as in the Legend of Zelda games, just with a twist. I think it could make for a great bonus episode, although that is my opinion. Keep up the great work. Hold on a second. I'm going to look this
0: up real quick.
2: What mod is it for?
0: This is a mod for the game Zero AD. This is a strategy game.
2: Ah. We used to be part of a Zelda forum where there was a... Uh, what was it called?
0: It was called
1: the Hyrule War or something.
2: Yeah, like so people would role play as the different peoples and and engage in warfare with with uh, race specific.
1: That was later. Um, Somebody tried to add like numbers to it in a much later iteration, but before that, it was
0: strictly just text role playing.
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying the the Kokiri had slingshots.
0: Yes. So if I can summarize on the wiki page the the basic story outline of the game. The first arc takes place during the Ancient Age, 10,000 before Ganon to 3,000 before Ganon. It follows the fledgling kingdom of Akala as they battle a power-hungry sage, crusading darknuts, and the moblin deity known as Demise. The fate of Ikana and the origin of Hylia is also revealed. Then the second arc is the Rise of Ganon, After countless generations of moblin slaughter started by the Akalans of Antiquity and perpetrated by the Kingdom of Hyrule, one powerful warlord strikes back at his kin's oppressors and seeks their ancient golden power. This campaign follows Ganon's uprising, making many allies and enemies, and the first ever Princess Zelda, avenging her kingdom and keeping the triforce of her people safe. However, darker forces are also at play, biding their time in the shadows. This feels like a very crystal core story. Then the third arc is the realm of twilight doing a Zant type thing. The next arc is the Gerudo Wars. And finally the Return of Sulcaris. What? Who's Sulcaris? Who is Sulcaris? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe
1: we can find it under the characters. There's no characters article. Oh
0: Sulcaris it was the first Sage of Forest. And they were bad?
3: Was
2: it the the ancient sage that the Akalans were fighting? In the context of this story?
1: Hmm. I don't... I think
0: it's a different sage.
1: Solcaris Queen Solcaris is a hero for the Goma. Hmm.
2: They've got a Korok uh, leaf as a mask.
1: I'm just going to stick this link in the line real quick.
2: I think that this Conquest game is an interesting artifact. And... I do think that a scholarly study of spin-off titles relating to Zelda can be done. For instance, we we were just looking at the um, that flood rumor game.
1: Yes, the the Valley of Tears.
2: Valley of the Flood.
1: Valley of the Flood.
2: Yeah, and and it's Actually, funny Actually, Valley of
1: Tears is a much better name.
2: <laughs> it's funny how there's commonalities of like we want Zelda, but we want it to be Grander and more epic and darker—that I think someone can write a thesis in.
1: Well, people just want it to be Western-style high fantasy. Is the real thing they yeah, wanted to. They wanted to that's feel that's a thesis. They wanted to feel like a Blizzard story is what they want. They want Warcraft for Zelda.
2: The study of this could be interesting, and that's what makes what it makes me think of.
1: It is a neat idea for an episode. Yeah. I don't think we're going to do it. If we were doing more bonus episodes right now, um, I got to think that the various manga would be uh, at the top of the line for billing in Book of Medora bonus episodes. Mm -hmm. Because some of those are actually pretty good. They're actually pretty good manga. But this is a neat idea. And I do respect it, Gustav. And maybe we'll look at it more later. Okay. We have an email from Salvador. A very nice little email telling us how cool we are. Thank you, Salvador. We are indeed very cool. Um, I have a theory and wanted to hear your take on it. So in the intro of Skyward Sword, we see the story being told through narration and images that seem to me like cave paintings. And the image of the goddess has two main characteristics, the harp and a sword. We know that Zelda is the goddess reincarnated, but we never see her wielding a sword. That is left for the hero, who always is wielding a sword. So my theory is that the goddess, after the battle with Demise, split her essence, one part to be reincarnated and who will become the princess of the kingdom and be passed down through the generations and the other to search for one that could rise to fill the role of the hero. So the spirit of the hero is part of the essence of the goddess. And in a way, Z-Link happens because these two are, in a way, one through the ages. What do you think? Are there any more consequences to this theory that maybe I'm failing to see? Thank you for your work, Salvador. Thank you, Salvador. Um, Thank you. Thank you. You two are the big lore heads on reincarnation. So I want to hear from you two. I love this. I'm into this.
0: (laughs) Go on. Go on. Tell me about it. Well, the the one time we do see Zelda wielding a sword is in Twilight Princess. But this does make uh, Zalink even more (sighs) faded through the ages. If it's really two pieces of one soul trying to reunite.
2: I find it a very interesting theory, Hylia splitting the swordy part of her, <laughs> and I think it's it's plausible, um, even if you're not looking towards the re- reincarnation part for Link. At least the first Link in Skyward Sword was through the machinations of Hylia, and she set up the scenario where he would fall in love with and you know, uh, be driven to improve himself uh, due to her. So she could very well have set up something which made him of martial ability or have the capacity for it.
0: Right, we were already set on the idea that basically Hilia used her powers to craft the perfect husband.
2: Uh Uh-huh, Cameron has his eyes closed.
1: (laughs) I'm just reflecting. It's funny, we can't escape the influence of Tears of the Kingdom because one of the effects of playing Tears of the Kingdom is that Crystal is now a dyed-in-the-wool Z-Linker.
0: <laughs> That's right. It made me a Z-Linker.
2: Yay! I'm so happy.
1: I mean, it, w- it. if they keep going that hard, it was bound to happen at some point. If Crystal may throw out a lot of theories that other people wouldn't, but at heart, they really love canon depictions of events.
0: That's true, I do.
2: You have not opined on this.
0: Opined on what?
2: This email. What about it? your thoughts. How do you feel
0: about it?
1: Um, I think it's perfectly workable as a theory, but I also think that it's sort of countermanded by the way that Zelda relates to Link in Skyward Sword. If Link were another part of herself held apart from her, I don't think she would feel that deep sorrow for dragging another person into this. She wouldn't feel the same kind of love that she does because the kind of love that she expresses the kind of love that the goddess in her feels is the love that you feel for something apart from yourself because love for the self and love for another person it's not really the same even if it feels very similar from depth of connection i think i think that it's a it's a very pretty idea and it has its benefits in reading her character and making the cosmology more palatable in some ways, but it takes away from the intimacy of their relationship and the deep, soul-deep regret that she feels towards inflicting this eternal fate on somebody that she cares so deeply about because she's willing to put herself through anything. She doesn't even think about dying and coming back and upheaving her own life over and over, but this other person, this person outside of herself, there, there's sorrow. I think that sorrow depends on their separation.
2: Ah, that's really profound.
1: I don't know mm-hmm. if it's profound. It's just my reading on them.
2: No, I, I would agree with you. There is something about him being separate.
1: It's not a violation if it's only towards yourself, you know? And I think that that violation that she commits towards Link and using his love for her only matters because they are not the same person.
0: Well, what if they were the same person and different people at the same time, like how Crystal likes? That Crystal do be liking that.
1: Crystal do be enjoying the uh, disco Elysium school of this guy as many guys.
0: I love that. You know, I love Oshino Ugi. You know, I love uh, <laughs> Naomi Shiragorov. Yes. Yeah.
1: For our listeners who aren't aware, I believe that's one of your characters in Eidolon Playtest. That's right. Oh, so, yes. I, I. With regards to that crystal and a way of having a much deeper relationship with the self, that gorgeous. It makes perfect sense. It's just that it's not how I read it. And y'all wanted my opinion. and Now you have it. And I'll okay, never talk. Thank you
0: for sharing your opinion.
1: I'll never talk about it again.
0: Okay, so you can talk about it. No. Before. I'm done.
1: Okay. From Bill, subject line, hey, listen, I guess y'all haven't put out a podcast in a while and I didn't start listening to them until earlier this year. I hope you come back. This was sent in November of 2022. Uh, We did start putting up new episodes a few months after this, so hopefully Bill's doing all right. I was just wondering if you have ever mentioned the constellations in Wind Waker. It seems to indicate that Legend of Zelda takes place on Earth. Oh, fuck me. Um, I'm listening to the Wind Waker episodes now and nobody has mentioned it yet. Hope you're all well, and thanks for all the episodes you did. They are very entertaining. Take
0: care, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Um,
2: now, is uh, fuck. astronomy part of the forbidden art of geography?
0: I think we can consider astronomy. Go on then, Crystal. What do you think? Well, so yes, Wind Waker has real-world constellations in the sky, suggesting it is in a similar position in a similar universe as Earth in the real world.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So does Majora's Mask, Termina.
0: That's right. Even though it's a fake sky, because it's underground. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What can we take from this? <laughs> I can't
1: I can't dismiss this, because I've been so insistent about taking the text of the games as presented within the games. And those stars are just right up there. They're up there. And I can't be like, oh, they just used a map of the stars, because that's a map of the stars. No, motherfucker. They're up there, and they're the same as the ones on Earth. And I can't be going to dismissing that. I don't want to be inconsistent. I don't want hypocrisy to be one of the things that people point at me about uh, more. What do we take from that? What do we take from that? What do we take from that?
0: Well, at the very least, go on. I don't think this implies that it's the same as Earth any more than having a sun and the moon implies that. I mean, Miyamoto has said in the past that The Legend
1: of Zelda takes place on Earth.
2: (laughs) Miyamoto says a lot of
3: things.
1: Now, that is what you might call paratextual evidence of a lower order than something like an instruction booklet. But when he was designing the games, they were meant to take place on some earth.
2: I'd like to note here that uh, according to the Zelda wiki, the Zelda fandom wiki, not the preferred wiki of... Is that the preferred wiki? Do they move to Which one's
0: the good wiki, Crystal? Isn't it ZeldaWiki.wiki?
2: Yes, they migrated over there and divorced themselves from the fandom. fandom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fandom ruined the Zelda the good Zelda wiki, but then they broke off.
2: But there is a still yeah, a Zelda fandom wiki. I'm not sure the affiliation. Either way, uh Orion, the Big Dipper, Cassiopeia are also uh, visible in Ocarina of Time.
0: Well, that would make sense. It's in the same place. It that that's true. It is in the same place.
2: Now Constellations are arrangement of stars that we perceive from our unique placement of Earth in the universe. I guess there's two possible, three possible answers for me. Okay. One, Hyrule is on Earth. Two, uh, Hyrule is fairly close to Earth on the grand scale of the universe, so that it has very similar constellation layouts. Three. Hyrule is on a world that is not close to Earth, but there are stars aligned in a certain format, just some of them, in uh, ways that we perceive to be similar to the constellations of Earth.
0: I kind of like that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I subscribed to the last one as well.
1: Like, okay. it, they don't even have to be stars as we understand stars. The cosmology of Zelda could work very differently.
2: yeah. But I think also, I'm not a star person, a lot of the other stars in the sky probably don't align to the Earth.
1: Maybe, maybe question not. Question
2: mark. Uh, so this would also explain those.
1: Right. It's echoes of our world and their world in each other. Yes. So we're like an alternate reality to Zelda.
2: Or it could, it could be within the same plane where it's just... The universe is such a large place that you will find some place with a similar alignment of nearby stars that are bright to form certain shapes that are familiar to us.
1: So you, you, you agree with this general idea there, Crystal? Yes, I think so. Yay! Okay, let's see here. From M. Hi, Monica, Cameron, and Crystal. I am a huge fan of the Zelda games, and I love the Twilight Princess episodes. I'm glad somebody enjoyed them. Yet the, that was me. That's me. That's not M saying this. That's me. Because those, 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 I remember those being a bit of a slog to record. <laughs> Yet the Hero Shade is always known as the Hero of Time. The Hero of Twilight is known as the only Link that is left-handed. Yet the Hero Shade is seen using a left-handed sword. I think that the Hero Shade is not the Hero of Time since he's able to use his right hand for his sword, right? I would love to know your opinion about this. Um... This is strictly down to the uh, orientation flipping that came in the Wii version of uh, Twilight Princess. Because if Link is right-handed, the hero's shade is right-handed. But if Link is left-handed, the hero's shade is left-handed. And the original orientation has both of them left-handed, I believe. Yes. Yes, and in the, in the concept art, the Hero shade is left-handed. So the GameCube version, strictly speaking, is the original version. And the Hero Shade is left-handed. There's nothing separating it from the Hero of Time. Do we do we feel confident with that answer? Yes. yes.
2: And also, I think that in advanced years, Link, Ocarina of Time Link, could potentially wield a sword with either hand. Oh, He's yeah. that kind of guy.
1: Ambidextrous, for sure. Okay. I think uh, we're going on two hours of recording now. So let's try and get maybe a couple more in, and then we'll call it for now. Okay. This one's from Jackson. Dear BOMP I kind of like BOMP. Bump. Bump. When you were talking about the meteors near that tower, are you saying that oh sorry, latest Tears of the Kingdom episode sent on february twenty first of this year, so or at least in the current year. When you were talking about the meteors near that tower, are you saying that Ganon performed Draco Meteor? Ganon uses Draco Meteor Gan-a-na-non. I don't know what that means. I, I also don't understand this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jackson. That last bit didn't... Like Draco Meteor, I recognize as a um, Pokemon move, but I don't, I don't quite get the rest of it. Monica, what are you thinking?
2: I'm trying to remember the trailers.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, this is so specific that we've kind of lost track of it because the latest... Um, let me check our recordings in my files here. For February... I would have been holding our own footballs. So this was during the prediction episode, I think, uh, based on, yeah, the trailer two, I think, was the latest one at that point.
2: Which one was that?
1: But it's also the one where it was. No, that was after the delay. That was after the delay. Regardless, I can't quite recall what we were talking about at the time. Sorry, Jackson. We can't get more deep into this one. And we've got one here from Jason. Throwing out some Tears of the Kingdom predictions, which I think are a pretty good note to continue on for this mailbag, um, especially as an ending. hmm So these are Jason's predictions, and we're not going to answer whether they're true or not, because that would be considered Tears of the Kingdom spoilers, which we're not doing in this episode. Zelda will not be playable, but will be in the building minigame. Hmm. Tears of the Kingdom will be a loose remake of Zelda Two: Adventure of Link, just as Breath of the Wild was a loose remake of the original game. Hmm. The tears you collect will be analogous to the crystals you collect in Zelda 2. Ganon is revived at the start from Link's blood, that is his missing hand, and the Triforce of Courage on Link's hand will be the new magic hand that he gets. Now, since, hmm. this, since this isn't related to Tears of the Kingdom, I would just would like to say the Triforce of Courage, Zelda had that in Breath of the Wild, not Link.
2: Yeah, Triforce is one unit now.
1: This will be the return of Hidden Underground Temples, Shadow Link is coming back as he first appeared in Zelda 2. I also expect a secondary Zelda to appear. An ancient incarnation of Hylia, who aided in the original sealing of Ganon. Error of I Am Error fame will also appear. It would be neat if Error of Error and Bug did happen to show up. Let's see. So th- that's, that's quite the s- suite of predictions. I'm going to not star it precisely because I don't want to blow up any of our listeners or give them big heads from them being super right. But listeners who have played through Tears of the Kingdom, which many of you have probably done by the time this episode airs, will be able to know whether or not any of that was correct.
2: I think it's fun to think of because we made our share of predictions.
1: (laughs) We did. And I'm going to need to go back over the holding our own footballs episode to arrange them a little bit.
2: I think a recap of our our best predictions and uh, least best predictions is called for when we get to the Tears of the Kingdom episodes.
1: When, When we start off, you two are still like all in on the idea of a strictly chronological recounting of all the events referenced in Tears of the Kingdom rather than just the events of the game itself. Yes. How about you, Crystal? Hmm, I guess so. Oh, come on. If I can talk you out of this, I'd be so happy. (laughs) Because I feel like we don't have to go directly into the past that Tears of the Kingdom refers to. We can just cover the gap between the two games first. And then, you know, maybe follow everything from one character's perspective that would lend things a certain linearity.
2: But I think that we would lose, then, some of the chronology.
0: That's the thing. Is it? I don't want to skip over things on accident. That's... That's true. My version does
1: create the possibility of us skipping over things by accident. But, Monica, are you prepared to make notes? Yes. Okay. You do like making notes. Okay. Okay. Uh, just two more. We'll do two more.
2: Are there any that are less Tooth of the Kingdom related? Oh. So we can just leave those.
1: Oh, let me see here. Oh, I've got a little bit from Stags. What inspired you guys to start the podcast? And what made Monica want to join the cast? Have you guys exposed yourselves to the art book leak before Tears of the Kingdom's release? Why or why not? Thoughts on Zelda-themed tattoos? Long-time listener and thankful for the space you guys create for me to nerd out on one of my favorite game franchises, Stags. Thanks, Stags. Thanks, Stags. Thanks, Stags. Uh, We're already all the way up to March. What did inspire us to start the podcast, Crystal? I don't remember. I don't either. I think it was just like we were having a conversation about lore and... Like, you were the only person who I was having a decent time talking to about it, and I think mm-hmm. I wanted to get in on the... Because you had started podcasting before we did this, right?
0: Yes, this was part of the podcast boom of the podcast thread on the the forums that shall not be named.
2: From, from what I could remember, it started off very much, Crystal, you were hosting Cameron, who was going to be the explainer. yes. I'm glad that it moved to a more collaborative approach.
1: Me too, honestly. Mm -hmm.
2: What did cause me to join?
1: Um, You guessed it at one point on an episode that you really wanted to talk about. I think it might have been the...
2: No, I think I jumped right in with Ages, right? With Ages, yes. Which was a game that I did play. Uh, My dad was on his way to dying. That's true. I was sending in a lot of corrections as I was listening.
1: True, yeah.
2: (laughs) And I I felt like there could be a more intense level of depth because I think that my arrival also heralded the multi episode process in a lot more games.
1: Yes, <laughs> I don't think that the Twilight Princess episodes would have gone on for eight episodes if you hadn't been there. Yeah. So, you know, double edged sword.
2: <laughs> I have a lot of Zelda opinions. That's why
0: I joined.
1: Crystal, did you look at the art book before Tears of the Kingdom released? I
0: did look over it. I did not do a thorough reading, but I just kind of skimmed some images. Was there anything good in it? No. It's just all the stuff you see in the game. All right.
1: No, like, cool depictions of Ganondorf rehydrated or anything like that? If there
0: was, I can't remember. Okay. So uh, apparently not that memorable.
1: I don't think we ended up looking at it. We did not look at it. We just weren't that interested. We We weren't drawn in by the hype.
2: We moved so carefully in the days... Right before and right after the release of the game.
1: Crystal, what are your thoughts on Zelda-themed tattoos? Zelda-themed tattoos? Like what, like a Triforce? Sure. Um, maybe you can expand that to
0: nerd-themed tattoos in general. Uh, they're cool, I guess. Not something I you mean, would kinda get- it kind of depends on the tattoo, you know? Like, I think Zelda's a fine theme for a tattoo, but some tattoos are better than others. So
1: it's very much down to the art in question. Yeah. And the meaning that a specific thing has for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that I've seen quite a few rather good Zelda tattoos. Uh, for me, the, the wing crest, the, the crest of Hyrule, the Triforce, and the hearts, those are cute and very like immediately nerdy. You know immediately where it's from. I've also seen, uh, when I say like really good Zelda tattoos, like a full Wind Waker stained glass on someone's back.
1: That that's was that's awesome. the sickest Yakuza tattoo you can get.
2: <laughs> um, for my part, I, I don't have any tattoos. I'm more of the school of, if I did, uh, something a little bit more lo- or a little less immediately identifiable. For instance, if we're thinking about Tears of the Kingdom, the pattern on the old shields, that was pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Or even where you take an approach of you know the eye, the Sheikah eye as opposed to the Triforce, mm. would
1: be sort of interesting, too.
2: But I'm very indecisive about these things, uh, I, so I, I couldn't really commit in a tattoo format.
1: You know, it's funny, because the um, some of the different paraglider designs that you can get in Tears of the Kingdom very much make me think of tattoo designs, and I think that it's fine. Um, I also agree that I tend to like the idea of tattoos that don't immediately jump out as just being zelda But also the idea of getting a full-sized back tattoo of the mirror of Twilight sounds kind of fucking sick.
3: Wow.
2: I haven't seen anybody do that.
1: But like. That'd be cool. Like the design on. Have you seen that paraglider design, Crystal? Mm Mm-hmm. I think that would be a pretty cool tattoo. I tell you what, y'all. Go go ahead, Crystal. Yeah, I think so. I tell you what. If Crystal gets um, 250 patrons. On their Patreon, uh, I'll get a Mirror of Twilight tattoo and post pictures of it.
2: Uh, <laughs> okay. Please, a temporary one. I, a Gate of Time uh, one would really be nice too.
1: Oh, yeah. All I'm saying, if you want me to get a big life altering design on my back, all it would take is for you to give Crystal your fucking money. If I guess a Zelda tattoo, would probably be of a hook shot. A hook shot. That'd be kind of cool. Would you want, like, the chain out and extended to another part of your body?
0: No, I think just the resting long shot of Ocarina.
1: Oh, that could be pretty cool. Though it would also be cool to have the chain extended and looking like the head of it is buried in another part of your body.
0: Or the chain goes all across my body and hooks onto something on the other side.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good shit. God, what would... Okay, so yours would be a hook shot. Monica, if you got... Okay, let's just say you get a billion dollars to get a Zelda tattoo. And it could be any kind you want. What would you get? I have to put in it for our listeners. I have to put an incentive in there for Monica or she won't engage with the question. Oh, you. Am I wrong?
2: No. Okay, then. Well, the Monica of today, June 2023, would get the eye pattern from the old shield in Tears of the Kingdom.
1: That'd be pretty cool.
2: The Monica of Tomorrow would probably say no.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For to a billion dollars. It is true that you are morally compromised by being given a billion dollars, but we're going to pretend- I'll take it. But we're going to pretend that that's not the case.
2: Morally compromise me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. And I've already said the Mirror of Twilight thing, because why the fuck not? But I'd actually have to devote a lot more time to it. That's just my off-the-cuff answer. If I really had to get a tattoo, it would probably be a smaller thing. But uh, I think that has us pretty good for things that we can answer at the moment.
2: Or any of the, like, Brazoni patterns would be interesting to have. Very subtle.
1: Now, Jackson did also send in an Age of Calamity question that I want to read on one of the later tiers of the Kingdom episodes.
2: Okay. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll get to that later. But right now um, we've read all but eight of our emails. So I'd call us as good as caught up and we can probably read the rest of these at the start of the Tears of the King. Well, the first episode of Tears of the Kingdom.
0: Exciting. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal and on Patreon at Arcane Crystal, where you can listen to the episodes of this a week early. You can find me on other podcasts on audioentropy.com, such as Eidolon Playtest and an actual play podcast where we play an RPG called *Idolon: Become Your Best Self that Luke and Molly designed. It's about teen detectives, one in the 70s, one in the 90s. That's delightfully specific.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can find me on Twitter, at Cam Writer, but I'm not reading my timeline at the moment, so don't expect me to be able to like see stuff. And once more, if you would like to send in questions, comments, or off-the-wall theories to be read at the end of podcast episodes. Please send them in to podcast at gmail.com. Once more, podcast at gmail.com. And Crystal, could you tell us a Zelda joke?
2: We've got three stored up.
0: I guess so. This joke comes in from Dylan. I saw a fanfic where Ganon won, but for some reason, I couldn't click on it. Oh well, I guess the link was dead.
1: Oh, no. Wait, I think you've told us that one before.
0: Okay, there's another one. here.
2: I forgot, so that was great.
0: Stop calling it the Zelda franchise. It's called the Zelda Chain, because there's so many links. Yeah. Oh,
1: God damn. (coughs) Okay, okay. Good night, everybody.
2: Bye.
0: Bye.